Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm the student ministry pastor here at Grace. And uh, when I married Dana a decade ago, I asked her to make me two promises. First, I asked her to stay married to me forever. And second, I asked her to never let me be a youth pastor again. (laughs) And she's done a remarkable job on one of those. But lucky for me, God, he kind of had to pull a fast one on me to draw me back into student ministry. And and I've got to tell you, the last seven years that that I've worked as student ministry pastor here at Grace have been some of the most thrilling years of my life. And uh, what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to help you understand why this is such a special place to be a student pastor. And and even more importantly, why I believe this church is a, a wonderful church to be a student in the student ministry. And I should start by, by telling you, you know, just saying, this is, this is where we're headed. This is kind of what we're shooting for. This is the target we're going for. Is, uh, as, as a student ministry, we are joining with parents to do what Ephesians 4.13 says we ought to be doing in the church and in student ministries. We ought to be uh, preparing students, equipping them to be whole and complete and mature and prepared for, for life after high school, right? To walk with God in college and, and in the rest of their lives. That's what we're doing. Another way to say it is we're looking to form in students uh, soft minds. I'm sorry, sharp minds. Not soft minds, sharp ones. Soft hearts and moldable wills. That, that's our goal. That's what we're going for. Sharp minds, soft hearts, and, and moldable wills. That's, that's what we're trying to do. And, and then this morning, what I'd like to help you understand is uh, kind of know how we're getting there. You know, why and how are we doing what we do. And, and uh, you know, partly just so you understand what's happening across this campus uh, every week and, and what we're doing in our middle school and high school ministries. But then also, if, if you're newer to Grace, I hope uh, that this morning will help you to understand a little bit better about what's happening here at Grace because uh, the way we see our student ministry is that it's just, it's an adult ministry for very young adults. That's what we're doing. And so what we're going to talk about this morning, we are doing in every one of our ministries at Grace, okay? And especially in our student ministry, this is where we're focused. So that's, that's where we're headed today. That's what we're going to be talking about. And, and I'm going to be answering the question, how are we preparing students for life after high school? How are we building into them these sharp minds and, and tender and soft hearts and moldable wills? How are we trying to change the life of a teenager? And, and really, this is how you change anybody's life. But, but students are especially poised to be transformed by the Spirit of God when these three realities are, are present, when, they're, when they are in their lives. So the first way that we are trying to change the life of a teenager is by causing them to experience God's word. We're trying to get them to experience God's word, to, uh, to study the word of God, to, to read it, to uh, memorize it, and then most importantly to experience it, to, to live it out. What students have to do is they have to jump into kind of the tunics and the sandals of the biblical characters and experience the situations, the thoughts, the emotions that the men and women of Scripture uh, experienced. And, and we want them to kind of walk in, in their shoes and, and uh, you know, learn those lessons that God was teaching them there and then, but, but learn them here and now. We want them to get that out of their time with us in the student ministry. And I, I got to tell you, at Grace, we are trying to get the Word of God into every life. You know, I mean, what we are trying to do and what we truly believe is that, is that one of the most effective ways to alter a human soul is, is to, to inject 
the Word of God, to inject Scripture into their souls, into their hearts. And so we're doing this in every ministry. You'll see it especially at our kids' camps, in our men's and, and women's retreats. But, but again, we're trying to do this in every one of our ministries, and, and particularly in the student ministry. And, and one of the reasons for that, one of the reasons why this is so important that our students experience the Word of God is uh, because they are on the cusp of, of making three of the most important lifelong decisions that they will ever make. And they make those soon after high school. First, they're going to be choosing who their master is. You know, maybe they've made Jesus their savior, but will he be the Lord of their life too? Will they make him Lord? Who's going to be the captain of their soul? Will it be Jesus Christ or will it be them? But it, it's not just master. They're also going to be choosing a mate. Uh, not too long after high school. They're going to be deciding who it is they're going to commit the rest of their lives to. In, in our college prep course that we do every, sen- every spring with our senior class, we tell them, look, guys, one of the major differences between dating in high school and dating in college is that college dating can be terminal. There's probably a better word for it than that, but, but the point is when you get to college especially, it, you know, whoever you date, there's a good chance that you may commit the rest of your lives to them. And so if you want to marry well, you've got to date well, right? So it, they're choosing a master, they're choosing a mate, and then they're choosing a mission. Right? They are deciding, am I going to run after a major and a career that's going to give me status and wealth and power or whatever it is that they might be seeking? Or am I going to pursue a vocation, literally a calling from God that's, that's based on how he's made me, how he's designed me, and, and, and what he knows about me, and, and how I can make the biggest dent out there for the kingdom of God, right? What kind of mission am I going to be on? Is it going to be about me, or is it going to be about him? So they're, they're choosing a master, a mate, and a mission. And, and so they've got to experience the word of God now before they make those crucial decisions. But that's not the only reason they have to experience the word of God. Another one is, is that... Uh, it, it, it honors, it respects the way that God made us to learn, right? The way that we retain and then apply truth best is, uh, is when we've lived it, you know, when, when we've done it. And I'm sure you've heard those statistics that say that 10% of what we read we'll end up remembering, around 10%, right? 50% of what we hear and see we'll remember, and then it's 70% of what we say and write, and then 90% of what we do or experience or participate in, we have a very good chance of remembering that. 90%. See, it's not just about knowing. It's not just about hearing and, and, and seeing and reading. It, you have to live it, right? You have to experience it. Uh, maybe you've heard the old proverb, what I hear, I forget. What I see, I remember. But what I do, I understand. Another way we say it around here is that uh, if you hear a sad story, you, you might be sad, Right? But if you experience a sad story, you'll feel compassion. That's what, we're, that's what we're trying to do, trying to cause students to experience, to live out the word of God. Because you can't apply what you don't know. You can't apply what you don't remember, what you don't understand. And so we, we're trying to help students, again, to, to, to have an encounter with God through Scripture so that they incorporate, they integrate those truths about God and, and the world and themselves that they find in Scripture into their lives. Okay, but, but it's not just that they'll be making these important decisions of a master and a mate and a mission or, or just because uh, that, that's how God made us to learn. Another reason why they have to experience the word of God is because this is how God himself teaches us in Scripture. This is how he teaches us. Uh, what God will do is he, he, he takes his people and then he, he teaches them a the truth and then he causes them to live it out. 
Uh, a great example of this are the seven feasts that, that the Jewish uh, people, that they would celebrate each and every year. One of those feasts uh, was called the Feast of Tabernacles. And what the Israelites would do is they would move out of their homes into these makeshift huts and, and tents, and, and they would live in them for a week, for seven days. And they did that every single year. You see, it wasn't enough just to hear a sermon on the Feast of Tabernacles and, and how God brought Israel out of Egypt and cared for them in the desert and, and took care of them as they slept in tents, right? It wasn't enough to do a Bible study on, on what God did for Israel. No, they had to live it. God said, get out of your house, live in this tent a lot like they lived in in the desert for 40 years. You live in this tent, and I want you to remember and know that I am a powerful God, that I provided for my people, and I will provide for you, right, so that they'll apply it. That was the point. They had to experience that they might apply it to their lives and to their understanding of God. So that's the third reason why we are doing whatever we can to expose students to the truths of Scripture and then causing them to live it out. So, so what do we do first? Well, first, we've we got to get the Word of God in there, right? So we just try to get them reading their Bibles. And so two years ago, we invited students to read through the Bible with us uh, in a year. And then, and then a year ago, we, we uh, gave them 52 passages. We said, hey, memorize a passage every week for a year. Let's do that. Let's get the Word of God into your souls. Um, we'll teach through a book of the Bible um, oftentimes in, in Rise Middle School and, and Reach High School Ministries. We'll teach through a book of the Bible so that students, so they kind of understand the broad strokes of what's happening in Scripture and, and this, uh, this cohesive, extended love letter that God wrote to us Right, over 1,500 years through 40 different authors, we want them to understand that about their Bible. they got to know it, right? we got to get it in there. But then, but then at our summer camps and our winter retreats, that's when, we, that's when we try to get them to really live those truths, right? To um, fall in love with the Bible, to experience it in their lives. And so, um, so one of the things that we did uh, in 2015 at, at Camp Canaan is we had our students build the Old Testament tabernacle that that the Israelites worshipped in while they were in the desert for those 40 years. And they built this tabernacle, and, and then before they could go into the holy place, just like God instructed Israel to do, they had to wash their hands in the bronze laver before they moved into the holy place. Why? Because they needed to experience what God was trying to teach Israel. That is that, that he is a holy God and that we are a sinful people and that the only way we can draw near to him is if we're washed clean. They had to experience that truth to know it, to apply it to their lives. Uh, in, in 2014, a couple years ago at Broken Arrow, what we did is we had students earning beads for doing good throughout the course of, of the camp week. And they would add these, these beads to this necklace that contained a black weight that they found out later uh, represented their sin. And then at the end of the week, we, we had them make a decision. They had to decide, am I going to keep this necklace that I have worked so hard for all week long? like five whole days, or, or will I take it off and put it on the neck of Wounded Hawk, this, this Christ figure, who um, would I put it on his neck and would I give him my sin and, and these beads I've worked so hard for? And, and, you know, it's hard to imagine, but those pretty little beads were kind of hard to part with for some of our students. You know, just these little plastic beads became quite valuable when you had to earn them. And then soon after they, they had made that decision, if they were going to keep that necklace or put it on a wounded hawk's neck, then they, they saw a wounded hawk die, and he was killed and then, and then resurrected for them, right? And, and if they hadn't realized it before, then they realized that, that he was this Christ figure that 
that went to, went to his death on our behalf, right? And, and he went to his death to forgive everybody who put their necklaces on his neck, right? Who gave them their sin and their righteous deeds. And students who had heard that story from the Bible, who'd read it, listened to it a hundred times, you know, some of them for the very first time they got it. And it changed. It changed them. Why? Because they experienced the Word of God. So that this is, so these are some of the ways that we are trying to do this with our students. Here's another way to say what we're doing at our camps and retreats. We will do anything short of sinning. Anything short of sinning to cause a student to encounter the God of the Bible. Anything short of sinning. Why? Because... Because when you encounter God, right, when you are living out the truths that he gives us in Scripture, that's when you have the best chance of remembering it, understanding it, and then applying it. And that's what we're trying to do in our students' lives. And so, look, if, if you're the parent of a teenager, I would ask you, I, I would plead with you, do whatever you can uh, and, and whatever you must to get your student to our summer camp this summer, to Camp Omega, where they can experience a, a biblical epic and and make a real choice that may or may not be followed by, you know, the rewards or the consequences that the people in the Bible uh, experience. We, we want your student to get that. And I got to tell you, the, the $470 or whatever it's going to cost, it will be the cheapest tuition you will ever pay for the most important and valuable lesson your student will ever learn. Okay, get them to camp if you would, please. And then, and then for the rest of us, you know, all the other parents that are here this morning, do this at home as much as you can. Do this with your children, okay? Uh, you do devos with them and all that. That's great. I mean, teach them to apologize to someone that they've injured. Please do that. But I, I got to tell you, the most uh, powerful way they will ever learn to, to apologize is when you, right, when, when their mom or their dad comes to them and, and says to them, I am sorry, and would you please forgive me when, when you said something hurtful to them, right? Don't just teach them. Show them. Allow them to participate in it and experience the Bible. They'll never forget that, will they? And they have a better chance of applying it too. So let's do this. Let's do this with our, with our kids and, and in our places of work. Cause people to experience the truths of Scripture. So that's the first way we're trying to change a teenager's life is getting them to encounter God, to experience the Bible. Uh, we do that most at our, our camps and retreats. Uh, we're doing that here at Grace. The second way, the second way we are trying to change a teenager's life is by introducing into their lives mentors, these spiritual mentors, uh, men and women that are walking with God that they can, that they can follow and they can trust and they can, they can imitate. And so what we do is we take a student and we take a college student or, or an adult who loves Jesus and we throw them together, you know, and we watch the Spirit of God change both of their lives most of the time. Right? That's what ends up happening. And, and every one of us, every one of us needs a, a mentor, a, a discipler, you know, a spiritual leader in our lives um, to help us, right, to, to, to show us the way and somebody who uh, we can stand with and whose shoulders we can stand on. We all need this. But, but students especially need this. And why is that? Well, well, a few reasons. First of all, because 65% of Christians will become believers before the age of 18, that's two out of every three uh, Christians will decide to follow Christ before they graduate high school. In fact, I'll bet you that was a lot of our experience. If you would, raise your hand if you became a Christian before you graduated high school. Yeah, you see, we are trying to strike before the iron cools. And we believe one of the most effective ways to do that is through the role of a spiritual leader in the life of a student. 
there's good stuff that happens there. But it's not just the 65% become believers before they graduate high school. Second reason that students need uh, a disciple or spiritual mentor in their lives is the teenage years, they're passionate years, aren't they? I mean, they're full of emotion and and, and passion, and, and sometimes it's hard to know which direction to be pointing when that turbo button is activated in their life, right? And so that's where a discipler can step in and, uh, I don't know, say something like, hey, hey, let's take all of that vigor and do something great. Like, let's do something for God's kingdom with all that passion you've got in there, right? So hand me the baseball bat, okay, and don't hit any more mailboxes, please. Yeah, give me the bat. And here, instead, why don't you take this hammer and let's go on a mission trip together and build a church. How about we do that? And no, you know what? Give me the hammer back. Here's a paintbrush. You paint, I'll hammer, right? And, and so this is what a leader does. This is what a spiritual mentor can do is, is they kind of help them point in the right direction, you know, when that powder keg of passion is ignited in, in that student's life. And that's a huge role for them. But it's not just the 65% of Christians become believers before 18 or, or the passion of the, of the teen years. Another reason why students need spiritual mentors in their lives is because the Harvard Graduate School of Education says so. They do. They say so. Uh, They put out a study actually just last year that said that if a student has one meaningful relationship with a caring adult other than mom or dad, then that student's chances at success in life just, they go way up. They go way up. And and this study, it, it, it concluded this. This is what it said. Every child who winds up doing well has had at least one stable and committed relationship with a supportive adult other than mom or dad. They need mentors. They need spiritual leaders. Uh, This is a a caring adult. This study said, hey, this is a caring adult who uh, knows their hopes and their dreams, who knows their quirks and their strengths and and their weaknesses, um, that can listen well and and offer advice and and wisdom in those difficult and confusing times of life, who will pray for them even. Uh, Harvard said that, right? You pray for that, that teen that you're working with. And then, and then they found, look, if, if a student has that, that one caring adult other than mom or dad, uh, this, this is what happens. Their grades, their desire to serve others, their resilience, their ability to stay calm in a trial, they all go up. And sadness and depression go down. This is what Harvard says. And, and this study, look, I got to tell you, it only confirms what Hebrews 13.7 says, that what we ought to do with our leaders is uh, these leaders who are teaching us the word of God, you know, and, and who are living righteous lives. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says, look, this is what you do. Just, just consider the outcome of their way of life. Okay? Imitate their faith. Okay? Imitate their faith. Do, do what they do. Okay? Follow in their footsteps. All right, look, some stretches of the Christian life, they go right through the middle of a minefield, don't they? And, and it is far too dangerous to try to make your way through that minefield alone. What we all need, each one of us, especially a student, what we need is somebody who's just, just a little ahead of us, right? A couple steps ahead whose footsteps we can follow in, right? Just, just match their footsteps. Just follow them, mimic them, imitate them as you, as you walk through those minefields of life, of the Christian life. And, and that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, hey, why traverse this treacherous ground all, all by yourself? No, do it with somebody who's a few steps or more ahead of you. Uh, this is what he's trying to convince us to do. And, and this is what we try to provide everyone at Grace, and, and especially in our student ministry. 
So, so what do we do? Well, during the summertime, we're about to jump into summer, we bring in a summer staff full of college students who are there to lead our students. And these are college students who, with the help of a mentor, oftentimes, are, are trying to figure out, you know, how to walk through the minefields of the college life and standing firm in their faith and, and doing their, their best to uh, not grow weary and doing good. And then the other nine months of the year, we bring in uh, five to six adult leaders that we match up with each grade. And, and these, are, these are adults who are in various ages and life stages and, and give students uh, an understanding, you know, a picture of what it looks like to, to follow God as a single or as a young married couple or, or you know, those sleep-deprived years of parenting young children or, or the empty nesting stage. They can see what it looks like and that it's, this is not just a phase Right? They can walk with God their entire lives. We want them to see that. And so that's one of the ways that we try to do that. And, and so, you know, parents, look, if your kids are young right now, then you're the primary influencer, the, the primary influencer, especially spiritually, in their lives. And, and they're still listening to you. Right? Some of the time, some of the time they do. And, and enjoy that if that's, if that's where you are. If that's the stage of life you're in. Your kids are young. Okay? But i got to tell you that the days are coming when they will do this. Every time you talk, right, they won't, they won't listen to a word of it. And so the best thing you can be doing right now for your, your young son or daughter is you start looking for a spiritual mentor for them that, that you can trust, okay? And, and, and you start looking for somebody in our children's ministry or in, in our student ministry as they get in there that, that could be a spiritual mentor. That's what we're looking to provide is this caring adult, right, this discipler for each one of our kids and, and our students. And, um, and it'll mean that you're going to lose control, right? You're going to lose plenty of control. But you're going to lose that anyways, right? I mean, get them set up so that they're listening to the right adult when they stop listening to you. And then when they become teenagers, then, then you say to them, hey, that, that mentor, that leader in your life, you do whatever they tell you to do. You just follow in their footsteps, okay? Just, just trust them. Step right where they tell you to step. Hey, you can do that as a parent. So, so start looking for that now. Start praying for that now for your young kids. And so how are we preparing teens for life after high school? Well, first, they've got to experience God in, in his word. Second, they need a spiritual mentor whose footsteps they can follow in. And then the third way that we're trying to change a teenager's life and prepare them for life after high school is, is to cause them and to give them opportunity to give as much as they take. They've got to give as much as they take. They have to uh, serve as much as they're being served. Right? I mean, teens take. We get that. Right? Hey, Dad, can I borrow the keys again? Why isn't dinner ready? I'm hungry. Right? I mean, teens, they've got the taking thing down. The question is, will that transition be made in those, in those teenage years from a, a taker to a giver? Because it's in the high school years that that transition, that turn has to be made. Or it won't be made. There's a good chance if you don't make it in, in those teenage years that, that you will never become a giver. And so we've got, to, we've got to start now, while they're young, while they're teenagers, to help them to begin to make that turn. Okay, and there's this paradox in the way that God has made us, that when we are young, the way we get is by taking. But then as we get older, the way that we get is by giving. Right? The way that we are best served is by serving. And, and that's just the way that, that we've been designed. And, and this is true for all of us. We've got to give as much or more than we take. But, but this is especially vital for teenagers, and, and here's, here's why. Because the teenage brain, it's literally still forming 
Okay? I mean, researchers will say that the prefrontal cortex, that it's not fully developed until mid to late 20s. Okay, and, and no big deal. That's just the part of the brain that's responsible for organizing plans and ideas, for controlling impulses, for forming strategies. You know, those, those brains are still baking. They're still soft in, in the teenage years. And, and it's not until, you know, later in their 20s that, that the ability to reason and make good decisions and those kinds of things is fully formed. I mean, don't you kind of wish that happened a little sooner than mid-20s? Uh, like maybe before we get behind the wheel of a car and able to drive it 80 miles an hour. I mean, that'd be kind of nice, be kind of convenient. But, but this is, that's where we are. And this, this may be why Mark Twain famously said, he said, look, when a child, uh, when he turns 12, here's what you do. You take him and you put him in a barrel, okay, you close it, and then you feed him through a hole. And then when, when he reaches 16, you plug that hole. Brains, they're still soft. They're still being formed. And so, and so we've got to get in there, right? And, and, and that input, the content, the, the data that they're exposed to it, between those ages of 12 to 18, it is, it is quite literally forming who they're going to be, what they're going to believe the rest of their lives. It's got to be happening um, in, that, in that time frame. And so we've got to get in there and teach them to, to give and to serve as much as they're, they're taking and and being served. Okay, we, we have to, uh, to use this, uh, this opportunity, right? It's kind of scary, but it's also a great opportunity to, um, I don't know, use the power of endorphins that are wiring those brains to cause them to get hooked on the joy of giving and not hooked on something else. Right? That's, that is what we, we've got to do now. And, and look, you've seen this. I mean, from the be- beginning of creation on, this is what you see God doing. He is serving. He's giving. He's sacrificing. Right? It's, not, it's not just that uh, serving is something that he does. Serving is in his very nature. And so from the second, in the second chapter of the Bible, you see God, he's on his hands and his knees as he plants this garden. And then, and then you see his fingers in the dirt as he forms Adam and Eve to enjoy and to work that garden. Right? And, then, and then he leads Israel uh, out of Egypt, and, and as he takes care of them while they're in the desert, it's God who takes on the role, the job of a servant by carrying the torch by night and the canopy by day. He leads Israel safely through, through the wilderness. When God the Son, when he comes down here to this planet, uh, he, he takes on the very nature of a servant. But, but it's not a job he has to learn to do because he's been serving since before time began. This is what our God does. He gives, he gives, and he serves. And it, it's in his nature. It is in our nature. And so we've got to help students to do that as well, to learn to give as much as they take. And, and so here's a few quick ways that we do that in the student ministry. When our sixth graders join, join us at the Aloha party, that's kind of our, our welcoming party to them, at the very end of it, we'll say to our sixth graders, we'll say, okay, guys, hey, look, it's time. Uh, you guys walk around and pick up all the trash and the water balloon pieces and throw it in the trash. Because you know what? Becoming an adult means not just cleaning up your messes, but cleaning up other people's messes too. And then we get to camps and retreats. The first thing we say is, is we're going to leave camp cleaner than we found it. We're going to give as much as we take. And then as students are going through their time with us in the student ministry, we, we highly encourage them, serve in the children's ministry. You know, serve your church. Um, as they become upperclassmen, we have them leading Bible studies. As they are seniors, uh, some of them take on the, the opportunity to lead our middle school ministry in teaching lessons and, and small groups. And then we take them on these mission trips where they are allowed and, and have the opportunity to experience the thrill 
of making someone other than themselves the center of their attention. They've got to learn to give as much as they take. Uh, It's the hardest and yet most important turn that we will ever make in life, maybe, going from being served to serving. But even Psychology Today, a thoroughly secular journal, mind you, they put out an article recently, and this is how they titled it. They called it, Serving Others Will Help Your Teen Thrive. And they've stumbled onto this profound truth that if a student doesn't make that jump from being served to serving, then they'll never be able to be a good friend or a good leader or, this, this article said, a good parent. They've got to make that transition. And that's what we're trying to help our, our 7th through, our 6th through 12th graders to do. So parents, you know, let's, let's keep helping our children at home make this transition. Right? I mean, if you've got a 3 to 4-year-old at home, maybe they can't mow the yard just yet. That's okay. But they could take their dishes to the sink after every meal. They can do that. Right? They can get, hopefully they're plastic. They can get those to the sink. You are, you are doing your children a favor by increasing their responsibilities as they get older around the house so that they learn uh, not just to be served, right, but to serve. And so this is how we are trying to change a teenager's life in the student ministry. We've got to get them experiencing the God of the Bible, experiencing his word. And then we introduce these spiritual mentors into their lives that they can follow after. And then we get them serving and, and get them to open up their souls to the needs of others, not just their own needs. Okay, and, and in, in closing, I'll just say, do you know why I believe that these three ways of transforming a life are so effective? Because when I was a teenager, they changed my life. Hey, 20 years ago, when I was a junior in high school, I was a bigger fool than anyone I have ever met. At least any junior in high school I've ever met. And then I ended up at one of this church's summer camps that I didn't want to be at, that my parents forced me to go to and made me pay for half of it. <laughs> and it was over the course of those six days that I experienced all three of these realities. And I've got to tell you, I have never been the same. Let's, let's pray and let's just thank God for what he is doing at Grace Covenant Church, at this church, at our church would you bow your heads with me and let's do that. Heavenly Father, I, I deeply, um, I appreciate, I don't know what else to say, I appreciate the work that your spirit is doing in my life and in the lives of so many here at Grace Covenant Church. And Lord, I ask, um, I just, I beg you to, to be working these, these three realities into each one of our lives. Lord, I pray that you would cause each one of us to, to have an encounter with you um, where we experience the truth of your word, the truth that you've handed down to us in a way that, that alters our, our thoughts, our emotions, our, our wills, every, every part of us, our entire soul. <clears throat> and Lord, I ask that you give each one of us the desire and, and the person, Lord, that could be a, a leader, a spiritual mentor for us, somebody who can walk in front of us, uh, whose footsteps we might follow and who can who can offer us and and show us uh, the way, the safe way that leads to wisdom and to righteousness and to you. And then then I ask, Lord, that uh, you would cause each one of us, uh, give each one of us this desire, this longing to to give or to serve, to not just to be uh, sir, not just to be served or, or to be takers, Lord, but, but to give because we have received so much from you. Lord, we ask that you would do that. We ask that in your son's name. Amen. 
For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.